Hi there, and welcome to Verbal Voices. I'm Paul Lemley, Head of Partnerships at Verbal. We're an early stage startup building audio and podcasting technology for creators just like you. As of this recording, we're working to launch our beta platform, which we cannot wait to introduce you to. This experimental podcast is a way for us to connect with audio creators of all stripes, from traditional interview hosts, audio storytellers, businesses using podcasts to drive leads and awareness, poets, speakers, battle rappers, stand-up comics, audiobook authors, teachers, and more. Our new platform will cater to them all, and it's my responsibility to dive deep with them on their creative efforts. I want to find out how they've mastered their craft, what challenges they've faced and overcome, what tools they use to grow their audience, and of course, what they're excited about most within this fast-growing world of audio. On this episode, we have Kurt Elster, host of the unofficial Shopify podcast and founder of EtherCycle, an e-commerce consultancy that helps Shopify store owners scale their business. We dive deep into how he's grown his podcast to over 1 million downloads, how to build production processes that save time, and ways to improve your guest interview skills. Kurt provides a ton of solid advice for new audio creators, but I'm positive that this advice can help even the most seasoned podcast hosts. So you're ready to learn more? Let's jump right in. Kurt, how are you doing today? I'm well, all things considered. All things considered, yeah. We won't dwell on COVID. Let's just jump right in. So uh, in my intro, I just scratched the surface about what your background is, your podcast, but give the listeners a little taste, color in the gaps a little bit on what you do, what your podcast is, and, uh, and, and who you are. Sure. So I I help e-commerce merchants, specifically Shopify merchants, find hidden profits in their stores. But the way I got there, the thing that that rose me to prominence in this niche, and there's around a million Shopify merchants, is that I started a podcast called the Unofficial Shopify Podcast about five years ago, uh, maybe six years ago, around 300 or so episodes. But that podcast has been downloaded 1.1 million times as of today. So in doing that, I don't need a million customers. I actually only need about eight at a time at most. That would be, I would be swimming in cash by eight people at a time. So podcasting has become this tremendous way for me to give back to the community, this tremendous inbound marketing tool, this lead gen tool for me. And what's amazing about it is it has become my continuing education. So the four minute of the show, every other episode I interview uh, some smart individual. The advantage to that is you are hearing me learn in public. That's what the interview is. That's what the show is. So I have genuine enthusiasm about it. It carries through. Um, and that format has worked really well for us. But really, it's like it's a recorded Skype interview. There's not a ton to it. Right. And actually, uh, our previous episode, which I just recorded yesterday, a gentleman in a similar situation named Daniel Zhang, uh, he has yet to launch his e-commerce store and he has yet to launch his podcast that he's that he's uh, recording in tandem with his growth as an e-commerce entrepreneur. He recorded it, his first interview, but he's yet to edit it and, and release it, which so these two episodes are coming in, you know, perfect kind of an episodic look at an early stage. Uh, founder and someone that's built a, a an empire. Ah. So if you could talk to Daniel right now, what's what some recommendations you would uh, give him just on the podcasting side? How would he how should he approach podcasting to help grow his e-commerce store? Well, yeah, I think the thing to realize in e-commerce 
is that people buy from people, not brands. That's why you have big brands who hire spokespeople. This Target has to have Maria Bamford as a spokesperson because the Target logo is nothing that a human can relate to. Right. The advantage to podcasting is it's such a personal medium. So ideally, he whatever his, what does he sell? What's his niche? Uh, he hasn't chosen yet. He has about three uh, um, niches that he wants to go after with his co-founder, but they have yet to settle. So they're so, very early. Like that part of that, he could make that part of the story, um, part of the journey. But if the ideally those those three niches, those interests are things that he is personally interested in, that he's enthusiastic about, and so he it then becomes. Uh, that that enthusiasm comes through and he it will make it very easy it won't be work right if you do what you love you you'll never work a day in your life or so they say um but he'll be able to interview people in the space he'll be able to establish himself as an authority and then that will make him trustworthy and they'll go people will go from like discovery to research to a relationship to making a purchase right i think the the thing to realize about uh e-commerce in general is that you know no one just shows up and makes a purchase a few people do but for the most part they don't just as you wouldn't walk into a bar point to someone and go hey will you marry me that's not how relationships work but that's how we want them to work in e-commerce they don't so going through this relationship building process is a a wonderful way to do it and that's what podcasting gives you you have a very a very a personal and almost intimate one too many relationship with people. Now he's early and you said, well, you recorded an episode. I, my advice to him would be, hey, don't just record and release one episode and go. Record three to five episodes and release them all at once. I wish I had done that early on. I made so many mistakes in the beginning. I released one episode and was like, all right, we got an episode out. I wish I'd released three to five because that's, that's the only way you're going to get your like possibly get yourself into new and noteworthy on iTunes. And I wish I had committed to a schedule. People don't want to subscribe to something if they don't think it's an ongoing effort. So if you lead with, hey, this is our new show and we're going to publish every Tuesday morning. Ah, okay. That's a lot better. And then that also gives, once you've put that information out there, now you have a commitment and it forces you to do it. I also wish I hadn't resisted sponsorships for as long as I did because once you have a sponsorship for your podcast, it becomes a client deliverable. There's no skipping it anymore unless you want to annoy the client and have to refund them, right? So, uh, yeah, so uh, recapping, three to five episodes, share your enthusiasm by sticking to stuff that you genuinely love. Don't fake it. People will know. Uh, and commit to a schedule and stick to it. You mentioned sponsorships. Let's talk about that right away. Um, with your show category, I can think of hundreds, if not thousands, of potential sponsors that want to get in front of your exact audience, from Shopify apps to uh, drop shipping companies to accountants. To it, it runs the the gambit of businesses that might want to sponsor. How did you approach uh, sponsorship? You said you waited a little too long, but did they just come flowing to you, or did you go after? the ones you really wanted to work with? I had someone reach out to me and say, hey, can we sponsor your show? The moment I had one sponsor, I had another person reach out and go, I didn't know you took sponsors. <laughs> can I sponsor your show? I said, yeah. And then another, and then another. So I thought, it, what's interesting about it is in 300 episodes, do you know how many times someone has complained about the fact that I have sponsors and ads? No once. one. And the person okay. who complained was a guest. Oh, really? 
because so, it was but, the wrong sponsor yeah. for their uh, brand no they were just annoyed that like he was like well there's there's two ads in the beginning before people could get to the interview and it was just <laughs> like some some bizarre form of narcissism it's like look the podcast is a non-trivial effort it takes right. you know, figure it's an hour for each episode of interviewing another hour of editing it uh i spent i probably spent 30 to 40 minutes you know thinking about uh thinking about the show and then doing the 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 show notes and the episode art honestly that's the thing i hate the most is writing the stupid episode notes ultimately you know that's uh, a form of seo and then i gotta get the transcription made once you really leveled up and turn it and take it like professional and take it seriously there's a lot of stuff that goes along with it that you don't think about it now let's save the reason we didn't start a podcast sooner uh is i didn't want to have to deal with the editing that scared me and I told my business partner this, and he goes, you know, I used to edit the Onions podcast. Their very first podcast was for the AV Club. He worked there as their media web media producer. He goes, oh, I used to edit their podcast. I said, why well, didn't know that? <laughs> so once that happened, then I had no excuse. And I did want an excuse to buy a microphone. I love right. gadgets. I'm, <laughs> I'm into to gear and gadgets. You know, I got my, my four-pound mechanical keyboard here that I could bludgeon somebody with. But nice. no, I just want... Part of it was I wanted an excuse to buy a cool microphone. And now, you know, four or five years later, that I can tell you, just the sponsorships themselves, not including the inbound marketing that serves my business, not including the affiliate income, just purely the sponsorship money, we are now over $100,000 annual revenue just from that. And That's this is fantastic. for a thing I would do anyway. So I'm getting paid to do what I love and would do anyway. It feels fantastic. What? <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's, let's talk about your podcasting process in general. I, I'm sure, it, it, like anything, it's iterative. You had to learn how, how to go along. And actually, you helped me early on. Before we even jumped on this interview, uh, you sent me your onboarding email, which includes two things, an onboarding form for the details and scheduling of the episode, oh, and a welcome packet, which uh, is essentially a PDF giving some brief info for the interview, a checklist of the interview itself, a brief list of, of requests, like a bio, headshot, uh, contact information, any you know specific questions or topics they want to talk about or don't talk about. Uh, that's yeah. that's all fantastic, and you're not the the first person to give me that recommendation. So now I have to uh, build this process. Awesome. But what what other processes that have you implemented over time that have outsized benefit on time saving and audience growth and even sponsorships? So 100%, the guest, especially early on, is the hard part, right? When you're starting, you don't have an audience yet. So in 100% of situations, the guest is the prize in that relationship. If we're framing it at like who's providing the greater value, the guest, they're the one taking the risk on you. Mm -hmm. The Once you have an audience, you go, hey, you know, our, your episode will be downloaded by you know, 4,000 people in a week, and those are IAB certified stats. Okay, now I'm the prize. The host is the prize because you're exposing the guest to an audience. But early on, you really it's tough to to find those guests. Like now I don't even think about it. People come to me or I'll talk to someone who's sitting on the phone and go, hey, you wanna do my podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, you know, now it's much easier, but the first two years, it's hard to get those guests. So you wanna make that process as easy as possible for you, both in inviting the guests and for the guests to say yes. So I'd email people and say, hey, do you wanna, you know, I, I would love to have you as a guest on my show. This is a potential topic we could talk about. This is the kind of audience who will hear from it. You'll get some backlinks out of it. You'll get some, some free PR for it. 
it's a goodwill gesture to the community in general. Uh, and, and if you, if it sounds like it's a good opportunity, if you'd care to share your awesomeness, just reply with a thumbs up. So literally someone just has to reply with a single character, a single emoji, and then that will kick off the process. To make it easier on my end, um, I created, uh, I use text expander. So I literally just type guest invite or semicolon guest invite and then the email template pops into my email. Um, this is a great app, it's called Text Expander. And so I've made it like anytime I encounter someone interesting and I'm like, man, I'd love to have them on my show. Oh, 10 seconds and I can have the invite sent. And it's this really nice, well-formatted email. Uh, and then for them to reply, they have to read it and then spend three seconds just to reply thumbs up. At which point they get the onboarding email, which says, hey, here's a link to the onboarding form. And then if I know, if I don't know that they've done a bunch of podcasts, I'll say also here's the, the welcome packet. Um, from that point, the onboarding form has everything I wanna know about them. So I ask them, how do you pronounce your name phonetically? Right? When I first get on that show, I don't wanna screw up their name in the intro. So how do you pronounce your name phonetically? And you know, what questions would you be disappointed if I don't ask? Well, that gives me, if I have three to five questions, I could do a one hour interview because there's a rhythm to it, right? right. I go core, like intro, core question, follow-up, follow-up, recap, core question, follow-up, follow-up, recap. And that gives it a really nice rhythm and flow. If you listen to Howard Stern, if you listen to Larry King, that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes it work. So then uh, I ask that info, the moment they submit that form, it redirects them to Calendly where they can then schedule the recording. So for me, it's, I typed a few characters and that's it. And then, you know, a day later I have a guest, I have an onboarding form, I got a call scheduled, I'm done. So anytime you could systematize that stuff, it will make your life easier. And the easier you can make it for yourself, then the more likely you are to do it. Right. So once it's recorded, I write, while I'm doing it, I, I, I try and take notes. When it's recorded, I put the show notes up, I create the episode art, my business partner edits it together, the sponsor, the ad reads are all pre-recorded. everything goes into Dropbox, we work, you can use Google Drive, a lot of people use Google Drive, I like Dropbox, um, and then we host it on Simplecast, which is okay. It, as the name would imply, it is simple for right. podcasting. Now that process is catered to the guest, which is fantastic. And you've had hundreds of guests on almost 300 episodes now. Uh, what have you learned about, uh, and you talked about interviewing uh, Howard Stern, it sounds like it is a inspiration. What have you learned about interviewing guests that uh, over time has made your uh, podcast more in depth, more engaging, more uh, detailed around you know your specific niche? Uh, any quest specific questions you like to use? What specifically have you learned over, over time here? So I think one of the early th things I had to figure out uh, was to shut up and listen, right? It is easy to, to talk too much. Um, I think I probably still, everybody has that problem. Uh, at least I do. <laughs> uh, so shut up and listen. Like if they stop talking, you don't necessarily have to fill in the dead air. Um, really the hard part is, is if you get someone going and they'll talk for like, you, I've had people regularly talk for 15 minutes straight, especially if they're nervous or excited. And so it's, it's tough to find a gentle way to interrupt them. That I still have not figured out a good way to do that. <laughs> Other than I go, oh, hold on, let me stop you there. As you said something really interesting, let me stop you there. And then that's, you have to have your follow-up question ready. Um, but now I really, there's really like, there's two kinds for a one-on-one a, a -on -one interview. They're, they're gonna go one of two ways. It's they're gonna speak to their life experience 
So they're going to talk you through some journey. So for us, it's like, well, let's talk through your entrepreneurial journey. Those interviews are the easiest to do because it's chronological. There is a beginning and then the end is right now. And then you just you walk them through it. So, hey, how'd you, how did you get started at Verbal? When did you, wh- how did that happen? How'd you find out about Verbal? Well, how did this start? Oh, boom, that is the first question. And then from there I go, oh, wow, okay. And then, so you say, then I recap so that the audience understands, so that I understand, and so that the guest has heard. And I go, all right, so then after that, what happened? How did you get, it? what was, after the interview, how'd you know you got the job? Oh, wow, okay, all right. And then on down the line until you get to the beginning. So if you're gonna, if you're nervous about interviewing, doing like somebody's life, uh, talking through a life experience, their journey, that's that's very easy. It's much easier because it, it is chronological and straightforward. Um, and you'll hear that, like if just if you have serious, listen to Howard Stern do these celebrity interviews. That is r- the format they often follow. It's like, so you grew up where? And then he just walks it until we get to, oh, and now we're at your movie release, right? Um, the the harder ones to do is the guest teaches you something, right? Where it's like the guest is a subject matter expert and they're gonna teach you a thing. Well, I'm not the subject matter expert. So it's harder for me, the technical stuff is harder where you have to come up with the questions in advance. But at the same time, if you don't understand it, you get to play audience surrogate. So the audience may not understand it either. So for you to be like, well, actually you kind of, I'm, I'm a little lost there. Can you die, go deeper into that? Oh. So that it, me being confused, me learning, me playing dumb on the show, sometimes it's an act for the benefit of the audience. Sometimes I generally have no idea what they're talking about and I want to get deeper into the conversation. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Really, like the other thing I learned was you need to be yourself plus 10%. So <laughs> I get, you know, I, I'm not in my house on my couch with my wife talking like this, right? The, it, it would sound crazy, but right. the, uh, audio formats have a way of like just flattening out and dulling your tone. So you need to really kind of emote and express yourself. Otherwise, it's just boring to listen to. You know, when you hear someone who sounds, if you talk the way you do in real life on a podcast, you will sound completely monotone. Yep. That was some, there was a lot in there. I don't know where you want to unpack that. <laughs> that was fantastic. No, I mean, there were eight nuggets there that, that are that are really good um, lessons. And I'm learning too. I mean, I'm in that second category that you talked about is, you know, I'm talking to masters of their craft, these audio, audio creators of all stripes. Uh, I want to dive deep in what they do, but I don't do what they do. And I don't have that experience, right. those year, that years of experience. You have five years podcasting interviewing guests and i'm eight episodes in into this so this is fantastic stuff and um, all right so you asked me what are some good good questions that you ask yeah i like you know when you're talking about that immediately one of my my favorite questions popped in my head is what scares you about this so you're early in your podcasting career here what scares you about it I think sounding stupid is the easiest easiest answer. Uh, That's a good yes. That's a good one. I, I also mean, e- had that fear early on. Even though I have edit control, I'm editing these podcasts, and I can I can edit all my ums and ahs and uh, missteps, uh, crappy questions. I can skip over anything I want, but I'm still fearful of you know you're an expert, I'm a novice, but I'm just trying to stay open to what you can teach our audience, what you can teach me, what we can learn from creators. Uh, it's a wire uh, balancing act that uh, it's exciting but nerve wracking all at the same time. I had that same fear and two things broke it. Number one, 
if you know 10% more than the person you're talking to, you will immediately become the expert. If I know, if you know 10% more than the listener or 100% more than the listener, it makes no difference. They can't tell because they are not a subject matter expert themselves. Sure. So I wouldn't worry about feeling stupid to the listener. And if like they were so smart that it didn't, it wasn't doing anything for them anyway, well then they weren't your audience to begin with. <laughs> Out of you know, 300 episodes of my own show and at least 100 episodes as a guest, I have never been in a situation where a, as guest or host, someone tried to make someone feel stupid because it's yeah. not advantageous. Who wants to be like the person who puts somebody on blast in a podcast? <laughs> the whole point is to benefit everybody, to give back to the community, to teach, to look cool. You look like a jackass if you're tearing someone down. So it never happens. And that comes across so easily on audio and video, obviously, but it's just a visceral reaction that that the audience can have if if, it, if there is something negative like, like that and making someone look like an idiot. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's 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 no reason to be nervous around that because the expert just wants to you know talk and and showcase their their stuff, and uh, and I just want to listen and learn. So yeah, good advice. Let's let's move to your audience and and growing it to a million plus downloads. That is a slog for a lot of podcasts. It's uh, it's difficult early on. The first fifty episodes, you're, you're going to get very few listeners unless you have an existing audience, social following, email list to to tap into. What were some big wins? How did you approach audience growth early on? And uh, any tips now that you're a million episodes or a million downloads in? Uh, what what resonates now and what works now to to um, see those big leaps and jumps uh, for downloads and subscribers? So I think a, a few things helped. Um, I mean, number one, early on, I want to make it clear there is no overnight success. I have in anything you publish on the web, I've had maybe two like viral successes, and both were just like throwaway stupid websites that did not particularly do anything for me. Um, so if you think like, we're gonna launch it and get a million downloads by the end of the month, it's just, it's not gonna happen, give up. The metaphor you should use instead is stacking the bricks. If you have watched a house be built, did it happen in a day, a week, or did it take more like a year where they did one brick at a time and then one day you look at it and go, oh, there's a house here that wasn't here before, right? That's stacking the bricks is the way to look at it. Every episode you release, Everything you do to promote it is just one more brick in that that process. Um, if I load up my stats, I've got my stats in front of me here. I'm gonna set it to all time, and I'm gonna tell you what my very what our first month was of what this podcast did. Here we go. All right, first day was September. It looks like first day was September 13th. We had 10 downloads. <laughs> 2014, 10 downloads, baby. Nice. And here, let me, I got to switch. It was on daily. Let me switch it to month view. Uh, goes, all right, yeah. Month one, September, 141 downloads. Then October, 400. All right. November, 380. December, 476. So really, we're just 400, 500 downloads a month, four episodes a month. So it, it's a slow slog at first but then it slowly and steadily starts growing. Where so like by May, 2017, that was the first time we hit 20,000 downloads in a month. And then mm -hmm. in October last year, 45,000 downloads in a month. But I mean, that 
that was spread. That's five years difference there. So yeah, it was that just took you three years to it's get just to the... showing up. That's awesome. Yeah, you just like... keep showing up. I like the the and it's compounding too. So you know every episode you're bringing in new subscribers that want to binge. You know every other episode that that you've done. Uh, so the metaphor I like to use uh, in the SEO world is you know it's the brick brick metaphor, but it's a pyramid. So you're building a base of in the SEO uh, terms links. Uh, and the wider the base of your pyramid, the taller the peak, which is your your brand awareness essentially. So the more the more bricks you build on the podcast side, which are your episodes, uh, the wider the base of your brand, the higher the peak, and the uh, the more visibility you get with your with your audience. That is that is an excellent insight. That deserves a major key alert. Major key alert. There you go. <laughs> um, I need some buttons. We need to invest in some, some yeah, well, I'm cash you... money buttons and major key alerts. <laughs> My wife also has a podcast. She does uh, Disney. I saw blogging. that. She's a Disney yeah. blogger. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do. And what's fun is now I get I get to guest on her podcast and just like be ridiculous because now suddenly it's not a business thing. It's not for me. It's just me being her co-host. It's fun. Um, the no, I got a, a roadcaster. It's this all-in-one interface. Is that's mm -hmm. our home setup. I bought it for her because I thought it would be useful and easy. But it has sound pads, so I've got like eight. There's eight buttons on here. They have like ten sound banks, and so I've got got a, a whole a whole bunch of these. Like yes, sir. You want some Jay Z or maybe <laughs> oh jeez, Rick, a little Rick and Morty. But it like just yeah, I'll do like three of those in an episode. But no one else in my space is doing that. Like for no. me. Everyone wants to be a very, very professional business consultant. And I don't. I tried it. It's boring. I just eventually we just wanted to be ourselves. So I view what we produce as edutainment, right? I want it to be equal parts entertaining and educational. And like that's probably one of the other things that it took me a while to realize is you could just be yourself. You know, if someone, not everyone's going to like you. So once you have the confidence and the courage to be disliked, then you can be yourself. And then you will find your true fans. You'll find the people who connect with you. And podcasting, I don't think there's any better format or medium to do that. Because when people email me, they say, Kurt, I feel like I know you. Or I'll get on the phone. They go, man, your voice, it feels like I know you. Well, in many ways, they do. I, I am myself on the show. They've listened, you know, even if they've listened to three or four episodes, they spent four hours listening to me. That's a great way to get to know somebody. And it's in this intimate way where it's like, well, I, you know, I, I was working out or on the commute or went for a walk. In all of those scenarios, it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's just them listening in. So it, it is a, a way to get to know somebody. And I think that that is one of the, the beautiful unsung things about podcasts. Well, let's talk about that. The, the depth of the relationship that you build with your audience. What, what other ways uh, besides the podcast do you create that relationship and foster that relationship with your audience to keep them coming back? Are there other platforms you use, other tools? Uh, what advice can you give in that regard? So last year we started doing video and putting an, an hour-long podcast as video on YouTube, I pay, I've got a video guy, I keep on retainer, he edits it for us, doesn't cost me that much money, so I keep doing it. And it's like, it's okay, I like that it's out there and it adds that dimension where people can see you and get a sense of you and like, I put a bunch of tchotchkes in the background of the video, it helps, you know, speak to my personality. Like I got my, I got my lightsaber back here and my Ed 209 robot up there. And so if there's someone who's like, I'm really into RoboCop, they'll catch that, they'll know. Anyway, the, 
but so with the what's interesting about the YouTube videos is like I'll keep doing it. It's okay. But the real magic is in cut downs. Cut down meaning I have an hour long episode and I cut down, I cut it into a trailer. Ah, so now I've got like a two minute way to give people a preview of the thing in this very engaging way. Or even better, you cut it into segments. So like on our last episode, we recapped new product announcements and then we reviewed somebody's website. All right, well, I'll cut those into two different segments and then I can upload them individually to social media. And that, now you're really, you're going like Gary Vaynerchuk style, Gary V. You will become a media machine. So I mm -hmm. record one podcast. One podcast becomes a podcast episode. It becomes a newsletter. You know, it'll be part of my newsletter email that goes out that same day. It becomes um, a YouTube video. And then it also becomes a series of smaller videos for social media. So every episode I produce gives me like 10 days worth of content to put out there. So real, like that's the magic. Um, that's where we, you really start to level up. Uh, but like we, we were doing the podcast for four years before we got into that. And it took me a while. It took me, you know, like six months of doing the videos to figure out like, oh, well, the, the, the episode is a YouTube video is fine if you're Joe Rogan. For everybody else, it's probably not going to work. It's in right. those cut downs. Um, and then the other thing, like I mentioned, the new, we do a newsletter. If you reply to the newsletter, that's my real email address. So that's an easy way to get like little quick one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. Um, and then we do a Facebook group as well that has now has over 3,000 members. And uh, that's where you see like the really engaged people pop up in that Facebook group. You know, like people know when they're listening, like, yeah, it's one-on-one, -on -one, but they know they're not the only listener. So right. now you, if the thing they have in common, now sort of like, we all have a bunch of stuff in common. Like we're all interested in growing our e-commerce businesses or talking about Shopify or helping people grow their e-commerce businesses. So you give them a, from a place to congregate and Facebook groups makes that very easy. Let's let's end the discussion on what's missing. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier uh, one of the challenges or what you hate doing is the transcription, uh, the show notes. It can be difficult. You can farm that stuff out, but what what other challenges oh, yes. are you facing as a as a as a host, as a as a producer, as an editor, and just engaging and growing your audience? Uh, what's missing in the podcast and audio space that, uh, that you wish existed or, you know, would have helped you, you know, very early on four or five years ago when you first started? Let's talk specifics if you can dive deep. So I think early on, part of the way I was able to promote the podcast was by leveraging other people's audiences. So getting people on the show who I knew would share it and also getting on other people's shows. So I could say, yeah, I, I have a show too and you could plug your own show. And as long as they're in similar spaces, that works out pretty well. Um, but finding those opportunities was was just a lot of uh, a lot of like research on my part. And event like I had my project manager um, for our business was like, oh well, I used to do that for somebody else. So often, just like asking and talking, you find people in your network who can help. There's nothing you know extraordinarily difficult about googling for interesting people. Um, so she, I was able to first like outsource some of that. Um, and that helped grow the show consistently. And I'll still say yes to just about any podcast guest invite, regardless <laughs> of what the audience size is. Because you said yes to this I tiny one so Because far. it's such yeah. a great opportunity. I didn't think twice about it. I was like, okay, I'm giving, I'm evangelizing podcasts. I get to give back to that community. Why not? Why wouldn't I do it? Like right. if you Google me now, I mean, you just get page after page after page of these things. It's very powerful. It's a, it's, it's impressive. Sometimes I'll tell people that, like, listen, if you have doubts about 
my skill and my investment in this space, just Google me. And mm -hmm. it'll be like a day later, they're like, all right, you win, we Googled you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not an arrogant thing. It's like, well, this is pure, this is third party factual. Um, all right, so the getting the guests for your show is tough. Getting on other people's shows like similar amounts of work because you have to pitch them on topic ideas. Actually, here's, here's a real win. If you are going to pitch someone to have you as a guest on their podcast, and this is important because this is a great way to grow your podcast. When you present it, go, hey, uh, I love your show. And, you know, please actually listen to their show and make that clear. Um, the like, hey, I love your show. I would love the opportunity to be a guest. And here I came up with three topic ideas that would be valuable, could be valuable to your audience. Then give them three topics you could speak to. And then say, if any of those, you think any of those would be valuable, just reply with the number of which one. And so they just have to reply like one, two, three. That's it. And the advantage to that is if I just say, hey, can I be on your show? No, you can't. Go away. If I, you say, oh, well, hey, can I be on your show to teach people how to conversion rate optimize their site? All right, now I have a much better chance. Mm -hmm. But if I say, can I be on your show to teach them conversion rate optimization or uh, email automation or uh, starting your first podcast? Okay, now I've got... Realistically, I now have three chances to get on that show because they're going to be like, uh, no, no, yes. Oh, sweet. I don't have to speak to all three. I just got to speak to the one. So that helps a lot early on uh, why I went off the rails there. But there's service that will do that. Um, but the other, like, the jobs to be done with a podcast besides promoting it and getting yourself, getting guests, you got to edit the darn thing. It's a, For every minute you record, you're going to spend at least that long editing, if not more. Um you got to write the show notes and make the episode art and you got to ideally you transcribe it. It's good for SEO, but also it makes it accessible. There are play and some people may, when they're listening to it, they're like, okay, I hear the words he's saying they're English words, but I don't know what they are or how to spell them. The transcription is helpful um, for a lot of reasons. So I've got a freelancer I pay uh, on retainer to do that for us. And and once we jump to video, or I had to get a video editor, we get he's on retainer. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other jobs to be done there. Oh, and then like soliciting and managing the sponsorships. So there's like there's a lot of individual jobs. You don't have to do all that. You could just be like, look, it's a 10 minute monologue. I don't edit it. I just upload it. That's fine too. Like, mm -hmm. don't any advice I give you. This is how I run my show. You it it you don't have to do it that way. It is your show. Do it however the heck you want. Right. That's awesome. That all solid advice. The jobs to be done. I love the is that intercoms. Uh, uh, that I mean, there was a guy that uh, promoted jobs to be done, or at least uh, wrote a big ebook on jobs to be done. That uh, yeah. not to plug that, but great advice. Plug and, something. Um, <laughs> Nice. Well, th this has been really fantastic. Uh, lots and lots of nuggets for, for new audio creators. I'm going to send this to Daniel, who uh, was the previous guest. Uh, so he is uh, someone to uh, listen to and, and learn from. But I really appreciate your time, Kurt. Let's uh, let's stay connected and I'll bring you on for another uh, episode to dive even, even deeper on some of the uh, tactics and strategies that uh, audio creators of all stripes can, can use. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. No, my pleasure. I hope that the all those knowledge bombs resulted in uh, a mindset shift for at least one person. Mindset shift. That's a perfect place to end. Thanks so all much. All right, Kurt. let's get out of here then. 
but it wasn't a perfect place to end because I didn't give Kurt a chance to share how to find him in his podcast. My bad, Kurt. Go follow Kurt on Twitter at Kurt Inc. That's K-U-R-T-I-N-C. Do us a favor and tag him in a tweet with the best advice he gave on the episode. To listen to Kurt's podcast, go to unofficialshopifypodcast.com or listen on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you want to learn more about Kurt's work, go to ethercycle.com. That's E-T-H-E-R-C-Y-C-L.com. And as always, if you're an audio creator with stories to tell or advice to give, reach out to me on Twitter at GetVerbal. Until next time, 